0: Welcome to Catalyst Conversations, the podcast that brings you real-world stories and solutions from a wide variety of acoustic experts. Each episode, we'll dive into a different topic from the world of acoustics, such as architectural and industrial noise control, seismic and vibration restraint, acoustical testing, or innovative design and engineering of sound control products. Our experts have decades of experience in this space and are eager to share their expertise with you. Join us in making the world a quieter place. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Catalyst Conversations. As always, I'm your host, Becca Barth, and I'm a member of the Catalyst Acoustics Group marketing team. This episode is going to be in a little different format than you're used to. Fresh, one of the companies in Catalyst's portfolio, had such a positive reaction to a recently held webinar that we decided to present the audio output as a podcast to share the information with you. In today's recording, you'll hear a discussion between Slavi Younger, educator on acoustics and frashist co-founder, and Sue Ann Hyland, a national education strategist and industrial and an organizational psychologist for school specialty on the effects of sound on school children. We hope you enjoyed today's episode.
1: Hello everybody, this is Slavi Younger Nightingale, here from Frosch I think you guys are used to seeing my face on our little platform. If you're new to us, if you don't know, Frosh is an acoustical manufacturer located outside of Dallas, Texas. We make products for ceiling, walls, dividers, and also acoustical lighting. I am so excited about what we're doing today because it's, it's a little different. You know, we've decided to kind of let you know and introduce you to some of our favorite folks and one of my most favorite that i get to talk to in business world is dr suen uh highland um so suen highland you know she has so much experience crazy long a uh, crazy long number of letters behind her name but she is amazing because she will take all everything she knows and breaks it down to why and how it works in rural world. so the official title She's a national education strategist, industrial organizational psychologist for school specialty, right? So her background, and she can tell you a little bit more about this. I definitely want her to, but just really quickly, you know, she has 30 years in academia as a teacher, as a curriculum builder, as a administrator, and then moving to the corporate world, right? And this is kind of, uh, Sue, thank you for coming. This is what I would love for you to talk about, right? you on the corporate side of world, you know, as we know, school specialty, which I love what they say, which is, if you turn school upside down, everything that falls out, they actually provide, right? So their, their span of what they can do is impressive. And I would love to, uh, Sue as an introduction to your a little bit about your background, and a little bit tell us about how does, you know, your background, um, inform the decisions of, that you help schools make about what the environment is supposed to look like, what is just a fad, what really makes a difference?
2: I am, uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. I adore Frosh, I love being here. And the reason my background makes a difference is I get, I'm so blessed to be able to come with all of my great partners and come to schools and say, okay, Here's the latest, greatest research. Here's what the research says about how kids learn, how we teach, how we process information. And now how can we apply that into the environment? And like you said, we don't want to look at just what maybe a fad is, but what's going to have longevity because we want to be good stewards of money too. We don't want something to go in that's going to last for two years, three years, because we know that that buying cycle is so long. And I just get the great opportunity to work with my partners within school specialty with our vendor partners like yourself and be able to come and just translate a school district's dream of what they want into, you know, the reality of what we can bring for kids and teachers. Yeah, no, that's great. And I imagine there's kind of two categories,
1: right? Sort of uh, overcoming sometimes the, well, we've always done it this way right so this is where your information comes really handy well that's great but when we know more we do you know we when we know better we do better kind of a thing right, right? and so, hey this is really not the choice because long term it's not gonna uh survive right so i think combining all that like bringing what we know, what the you know academic world knows, and what we know about the brain, and really bring it to everyday, you know, function, real world stuff. I think that's absolutely amazing. This is why when Suen and I get on the phone, we can't hang out because we start You know what I mean? So, so that's very very true. So you know the the part that you know we obsessed here at fresh about is sound, right? And soundscape, and really what sound how how dramatic of a difference can sound make in spaces how we feel our well-being and things like that and um you know i would love for you to talk a little more about uh, how that goes specific to schools because you know as we, we've talked you know i've learned quite a bit from SueN how much more dramatic um, uh, dramatically it affects the younger uh, the kids are right Absolutely. and how can it influence you know their education, their performance, but even really growing up as a healthy, healthy kid. So how do you go about, you know, figuring out what the the room should do, what the design can do for it, and, and how sound fits within that?
2: Well, I think sound is not something that when we go to school to become a teacher, it's not something that we really talk about because really we rely on that hardscape environment to do those things for us. But we know looking at research, that if I were to be at the front of a room and I'm talking to the back of the room, by the time that sound carries all the way to the back, it's really a lot less than what it, what it is and, or what it came out as. And when you look at the hardscape itself, you know, we've got buildings depending on the place in the country that are maybe even made fully out of brick or fully out of concrete because of weather, things like that. And, We know that that reverberation really does so differently in different spaces. That's why when you go into someplace like a media center, it really does feel different to your ears. You know, I had a a student come into a space that we were working on and I had one of your beautiful huts up and the spot. And I had a student say, well, what, what is that thing? And he walked in and he immediately, his shoulders relaxed and he looked at me and he said, wow, I can think in this space. (laughs) And it was so neat. I mean, that's just a neat, dramatic example of really what the difference in feel can be. And we all know you go into a gym or you go into a large Mm. space or into a concert venue. And how does that feel? (laughs) It feels very different. Yeah.
1: Well, I love that story about it, about a little kiddo, right? Because it kind of really uh, clarifies that this is not a learn thing. Like with age, you kind of have preferences. This is so deeply embedded that when there's not all that noise that you feel like you are ignoring, when you, but yet your body's still responding to when that's not around and you get that break, um, how different even a child knows that he doesn't know why, but he's like, well, I feel different. Right. Absolutely. It's just its really amazing. You know, that you can do that. So, um, what, how, how do the adults, when you kind of show them these things respond, are they also kind of see like, is this sort of an aha moment? Yeah. We
2: didn't maybe consider these things as much beforehand. Well, you know, let me, let me give you a real life example. Um, I think sometimes we don't necessarily realize that it is sound or, you know, it's something that's a little intangible because sound is very intangible, right? But we were approached by a music teacher and this music teacher came to us and said, Oh my gosh, I'm losing kids out of my program every year because of hearing loss because of hearing hearing concerns. And you know, a band program of course is loud. My own daughter plays a few instruments, and I know how that is at home when you've got all of that noise. Imagine even a medium-sized band, 25, 50 students with all of those instruments at the same time. And he said, I don't know what it is, but I keep losing students. So, of course, as we start thinking and start talking, that's when we engage someone like yourself, because we're going to actually measure that sound, we're going to tell them, oh, wow, you know what? That decibel level's so high when the students are in your playing. Of course, no wonder. You know, you've got in a band program, for example, you've got students, oftentimes you'll find that drummers will wear earplugs. So that Mm -hmm. way that sound, even though they can hear the other instruments, it dampens that noise so that way it doesn't hurt their hearing. But, you know, that, that's a little bit different than a regular classroom. But you will see the teachers when they experience it themselves, just like the student. They just kind of mm-hmm. relax and, you know, your shoulders go down. And imagine if you were a student who had uh, sensory problems and concerns where they get overloaded with too much noise you know sometimes you'll see students walking around with with headphones on because then that helps dampen that sound imagine what all of that input all day long does to a student it wears them out it makes them you know a little upset maybe a little nervous by being able to control one additional factor it's one more thing that we take off their plate
1: mm-hmm. yeah no i think that's that's really impactful you know seeing seeing how how we can really environment can change that, um, you know, as as living in this world, you know, you always knew like, hey, the teachers would put other like the troublemaking kids closest closest to them because they do better. And I always thought like, oh, because teacher can see them better things like that. But look, doing a research, finding out that that's really only place really close to the teacher uh if the room isn't acoustically appropriate, is where you can listen it, listen without struggling. And that struggling uh, is, you know, you especially when you're young, using all your uh working memory just to fill in the holes, trying to understand what's going on, is very, very um, you know, it's it's exhausting, right? It's exhausting. And then couple that with something that you've touched on, which is sensitivities, right, to sounds and things like that. Um, where you know if 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 you if you look at any of the research, it's really sort of like their system just absorbs everything too much. So imagine that, right? So not having place to escape you um, eventually yeah, like you said, it's almost like the fear for scared animal, right? right? like because it's like so much and you don't have you don't have a release valve, right? So as we we're talking about people, in school we cannot overlook the teachers right so uh, when you know when sue and i talk about you know we can you know we, she taught me one thing which i love which kind of helps me frame how we look at things which is schools care about kids performance and well-being and teachers retention and those kind of go together right teacher you need well-skilled happy teachers in order to get the First two, right? So let's talk about how teachers are affected by the environment and and sound within the environment, um, and what that might do for for retention.
2: Well, I mean, if you think about just today's world, you know, we've gone through some really big things in the last couple of years. I mean, we've all experienced yeah. COVID. It was a shared experience. We've got so many additional things that are going on right now that our teachers are tired. You know, they're just tired, they want so badly. You know, I always tell everybody that I still present myself as an educator, because I am. And the one thing that you will find about every educator in the entire world is, it's not just a job they do, it's really who they are. And I always say that it's at the very core of our being that we are teachers, that we're educators. You know, we want so badly to see kids happy, healthy, you know, successful kiddos in whatever they want to do. And when all of these other blocks and barriers come up and, you know, we've got already, of course, concerns every day because we, you know, we want to bring kids what they need, but you layer in other things that happen that you don't have control over and it's just, again, that additional stress. So I've really been talking to people about how can we utilize space in its entirety to help retain and recruit teachers? How can we even give them maybe a little space? One of the greatest trends I see is reworking teacher lounges. Oh, yes. So it's, I love that, yes. About that. So it's not <laughs> just even. You know, I mean, my poor teachers, there were some buildings that I was in and it was a foldable table and folding chairs. And it was just the saddest environment. But yeah. how can we create a space that's comfortable for them, that gives them a chance to unwind and breathe and relax? And controlling that sound definitely can be a part of that. You know, give them a chance, just like that student, to walk into a space and just let it go. Just relax. Let go. Yeah, yeah. I you
1: know, hearing you talk, I was thinking, and I really actually haven't thought about this before. Is that they're actually on right, like all day long? They're in charge of all these little humans, and they don't get to just relax, right? They they are playing a very specific role. So not having that hour or thirty minutes in a day where you can really just be like, you know, I can my brain can like let go. I can. Uh, you know, eat my eat my lunch and talk with grown-ups for a minute with that is not at a folding table with, you know, overhead lighting <laughs> and a goey room. You know, I can tell definitely see that 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 would be a pretty so maybe that's our next goal. Let's remake let's go through America and that's right. get get a gift of good, you know, launch a little lunch break for teachers. That would I be that. I, I could I,
2: could I love that. It. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. So you kind of touched on COVID, you know, and, and, um, you, we all know what it is. And, and, you know, you've seen a lot of teachers that really, it almost feels like we've kind of a little bit broke them. I happen to have several nurses in my life and I've always was impressed with them, how, what they can do. There several of them actually work in a really intense children hospitals and NICU and things like that. And out of the four, I know three just changed jobs recently. Like they literally reached the I no longer can right so we all kind of got the break from the COVID but and now if you feel like oh it's over it's fine but there are still lingering issues and so what I have seen uh, when it comes to kids you know uh, I have two um, my younger one seems to she kind of rebounds rebounded really easy no big deal but uh, my 13 14 now 15 year old and really him and also kind of his his friends in the class, and even talking to the, you know, to the counselors, there is just an incredible, incredible amount uh, of anxiety and depression. Just, just increase is 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 just doesn't compare, right? Like they were just sort of maybe like the the most sensitive group, you know, already being the teenagers. Uh, all the hormones, the brain rewiring, you know, they're already so awkward and so much is happening, you know, in the role that they don't understand. And then you do this, right. You kind of remove them from the social aspect on all of this. So now they're back. And I feel like there is, I can see like even my, my boys kind of coming back, but, um, but how you as the one that really understands the brain and also how brain can repair itself. Talk to us a little bit about what are the envir- environmental um, needs and and uh, space and what the space can do to kind of really facilitate this happening, uh, you know, to really for it to get better, not actually add on to what's what's already you know not functioning properly.
2: Well, like you said, you've got a few factors in there that we need to consider. Number one. You know, our brain typically operates in what we call the resilient zone. So it's able, you know, a little bit of stress is not bad. We need to pressure ourselves a little bit. We need to recover from that. And our brain might have just a little wave, if you kind of imagine a wave of of, ups and downs. But your brain is yeah. able to kind of control that. And that's what we call that resilient zone. It's really that way that that your brain just goes, okay, you know what? I dealt with that. I'm back. Or maybe I'm a little yeah, you know, those ebbs mm-hmm. and flows, right? Well, what happens right, right, right. during big trauma, and if you think about it, a lot of the research out there is saying 98% of all children worldwide experience trauma during COVID. You know, the isolation oh, of, of mm-hmm. being on your own in and of itself can be a traumatic event, Right. Well, when you're in yeah. trauma, instead of having that little wonderful controlled zone, you have really extreme ups and downs. So if you think about a student who maybe had a lack of food access or their parent is one of those nurse, you know, nurses like you talked about, right. one of those workers that. Always gone when go they
1: come, they're yes. They can't give. Yeah, they yep. had mm-hmm. to
2: work. You know, our nurse our frontline workers. We heard so much during COVID Mm -hmm. about those frontline workers. You know, maybe they couldn't help me with my work or they couldn't help me get online or get my camera to work, you know, like all of us experience camera issues. Um, And what happens is when you have that constant extreme, your brain has a little bit of a harder time bringing that brain back in. So Mm -hmm. on top of that, Then you layer in the students that are at those transitional ages, like your son. You know, we've got those kids who are coming into school who maybe started kindergarten during the first year of isolation and online learning. You know, you've got the kids that are finishing up like that fourth, fifth grade, that eighth grade transition or starting high school. Well, what happens is if you think about when you go into those transitional times, you're learning habits you're learning routines you're learning how do i act as a freshman in high school you know how do i act as the big kid on campus as an eighth grader well if you take that out and they become online that student becomes very autonomous they go where they need to learn that that's one thing i think our environments can do just so beautifully if we just tweak here and there those little bits and pieces you know, I'm, you and I have talked about how our our kids both learned during uh, COVID. My daughter was on the couch, on the floor. She'd lay on her bed. She'd yeah. sit at that beautiful yeah. desk yeah. that I got her in this great ergonomic yeah. chair. But sometimes she needed to be outside. She needed to mm-hmm. be, you know, I tell everybody, I tease her all the time, that sometimes she even did online class sitting in the hot tub. Because she felt like that's what she needed at the time. And I think that's the thing. You won't let me have my friends. You won't let me leave the house. I always have a hard time. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, I think the thing that really screams about this generation Mm -hmm. of kids, you know, Generation Z, Generation Alpha, those kiddos became very autonomous. They know what they need to learn. So now they're being more vocal. So if a student mm-hmm. needs like that one student who came in to, you know, sit yeah. in that beautiful structure, he said he said to me at the end, he said, Can I come back after class? Because I I might need a little break. He knew that. He didn't even know me, which was even funnier. He but he knew what that provided him. So what we need to really watch for is that you know it becomes an ecosystem it becomes just all of those pieces and parts there's no magic bullet in education sometimes yeah you know, that's really interesting which i haven't thought about uh
1: that we hear a lot in in uh in people back to workforce that work uh workers are much more vocal yes. of what they need right yeah. um uh, split uh split time mm-hmm. uh, much more Uh, you know, much more flexibility and things like that. So it's really interesting that the kiddos, you know, have learned a few other environments and different ways to do things. And there's some of it that they'd like to bring in right with them. Like, Oh, this worked for me. I need a focus time. Or I need really silence time and I need this or that. And that they know to speak about it. I absolutely like it. I, you know, I hope we don't ignore it. You know, I hope we kind of actually take it as an opportunity to learn and 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 do some interesting things, right? And really um, start trying to serve everyone as if they were the same. You mentioned alpha um, generation, and I didn't even know that this that there even is an alpha generation. And before we started, I told Suen, I'm like, Suen, for the parents out there, we have to tell them about alpha generation because I had no idea. This is sort of. You know, anytime you talk about generation, I always kind of first think about that kind of the, you know, the whole, the old man, like, Oh, the kids today. And really what that really means is to me is just, it's just like, you don't understand them, right? You don't understand them and you, we, you wish they were the same. They aren't. They gr- actually grew up. Like if I compare how my kids are growing up versus how I grew up, it's night and day. Right. Um, And so you gave me this list. I still have it. I absolutely love it. And honestly, I will sup- some are like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But there were several of them there. I was really, really surprised. One that didn't surprise me that it's on there, but that it's as short as it is. It's the attention span. Down to nine seconds, parents out there. That's why your kids are not cleaning their rooms, because you've talked for longer than nine <laughs> seconds. <laughs> it turns you off. So no, so there's that, but there's also some other ones like independence, and also that they are really, which I love, they really think of themselves just because they were exposed, sort of like the global citizen, right? Like sort of, and I'm like, that's right. My my kiddo is playing some game and counts, and it's like my friend Yokito I'm like, how do you know Yokito oh, I'm like, he's in Japan, but he's trouble sleeping. So either I'm like, you know, it's just like the, I mean, it's things, obviously. I, you and I never were exposed to, right? So like that kind of completely different socializing. So can you tell us a little more in a nutshell kind of what makes this Generation Alpha tick, how you feel, we can support them the best, you know, they are our future. And, you know, like just just like, you know, let's try to understand them a little better.
2: Well, first and foremost, you are so right about every generation has the generation before them saying, <laughs> Oh my gosh, this group of kids, you know, they said it if you look all the way back to when Elvis Presley came on the scene, you know, parents before was, they were like, Oh my gosh, what is this guy doing? Right. Every generation has their issues from the generation before, but this generation you're right is so very unique, you know, generation Z generation alpha were those first kiddos who really were born with that iPad in their hand. They understood technology from the very beginning as a tool. You know, this group of kids, it the number one thing they watch is they're, they're watching things like YouTube TV and YouTube itself, not even just TV, but YouTube. They're watching TikTok. You know, we all know the TikTok generation, right? They're very um, integrated with that technology. And you're so right. They're so worldly in that they know they can immediately get on and get information. And I always tell teachers to think about this as a difference years ago and many generations ago, not, not too far back, but we were really taught to be kind of that giver of content. So what we mm-hmm. would do is we would talk about, for example, I'm, I'm going to give everybody in your audience a little task. So without any use of technology, I want you to think to yourself, who are United States presidents 11 through 15? Okay. So everybody's thinking for a second. Very few people can actually rattle that off. I've had a couple, but not many. We've got an Okay. Well, how about if I give you a different (laughs) task? The task I want everybody to think about now is not that it's just about recall It's about what do I do with information? So let's utilize technology. So for all your your listeners, we're going to, I want you to think about who are those presidents again. Now look it up. So we all know Mm -hmm. we're going to grab that little, you know, I've got my iPad sitting right here. So I've got that iPad. I can grab that, find that information. The next task that I would give a group of high schoolers might be this. It might be, you know what? I'm going to divide you up in five groups. I want you and your group to research and pull out the pros and the cons of that presidency. Then we're going to have a debate. And you're going to present your information in whatever way your team feels is a great way to present, whether it's a poster, a PowerPoint, a, a TikTok video. I mean, it could be anything, right? You're going to present yep. your side, and then we're going to decide together who. By analyzing and synthesizing information, who is the strongest president out of those five, maybe who had concerns. Then I might even take it another step and say, now apply those pros into today's society. Now, what's the next layer? How would they have dealt with COVID had they had this happen, you know, back then? So it's really about, it's less paper, pencil, it's more online, but I don't ever want to see it. I love a book. I love the smell of an old book. I love the feel of a book. So, you know, it's really not necessarily about getting rid of books. It's about how do I integrate Mm -hmm. it well? How do I give my brain time? Um, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, inquiry based. It's about skills, not just content. It's about really understanding that this generation has an innovative mindset. They really, really, really want to be innovators. They want to do things differently and try things I, yeah you know I, I was just thinking
1: like oh can Sue just be my <laughs> kids teacher because you said I absolutely love uh, and here's why is is you know if you speak uh, to folks that really like think about teach about teaching they always say we really the most important thing you're trying to give to kids is to teach them how to learn and mm-hmm. and create, create a uh, critical thinking, right? So it's not about just like you said before, there's only a few sources where you could go get the information, right? You would go to a library, you would read the book or your teacher, you know, would give it to you. Now there's a shortcut for this, mm-hmm. right? So we can think of it as an advantage, right? Where it's like everybody can literally in few types get the, uh, just the what year, blah, blah, blah. Right. So then we can spend more time on the Let's find the information. Let's know how to find information. Let's know how to digest all the different information, and then use your uh, viewpoint and your angle to right. critically discuss why this is this or why is that, or maybe even why maybe history books got it wrong, right? Because you found some other things, and if you layer it through our today's lens, it comes Absolutely. across as a little different. I think that is. Absolutely
2: amazing. Well, you know, and I would say, don't. there are people that will go, wait, wait, wait. There have to be some things that are memorized. Yes, 100%. You need to know your addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, basic facts. You have to be able to read fluently because what those things do is they open doors. So there are some things you have to know and you have to know that you know them. But then there are yeah. some things that you can really look up. And it is about how you Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, I grew up in
1: then uh, communist Czechoslovakia. So my, my party trick to this day is I can do fractions in my brain. And it's my party tricks. I don't need it. But guess what? People are impressed. <laughs> so, you know, so sometimes memorization isn't that bad, right? right? But it's what, what you do with information. As I told you guys at the beginning, Sue and I, we can... We can go on forever and ever. Yes. I'm sure we're past our time. I'm sure our editors will be like, ah, cut it off. So let me wrap it up right here. I, I, one final thing I want to tell you guys. If you guys enjoyed this, this was just literally a snippet of of everything that is in uh, Suen's bag, bag of tricks and just her incredible knowledge um so what i want to let you guys know we have spent some time and we built a course one hour long course that delves into these pieces in much more depth and um we actually did uh show it to aia and they were really excited about it so they actually got it approved for a ceu hsw course so if you like this conversation if you find it useful if you know, if you work in schools or you design for schools and you kind of just want to know a little more about why, because it l- helps you explain to your customer, to the end user. Here's why I'm suggesting this or that. I, I, I believe this will work for you and here's why. Please uh, find that information, we'd love for you to join us. Thank you so much for your time, Suen, uh, absolutely appreciate your time. I'm sure we'll talk soon. And thank you guys, all of you for watching and we'll see you guys next time.
0: Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed Slavi and Sue Ann's talk and wish to watch the recorded webinar, visit Fresh's YouTube channel where you can find the recording. Or if you are interested in attending one of Fresh's upcoming webinar presentations, You can find a list of upcoming events on their website, frash.com, that's F-R-A-S-C-H dot com, or on their social media channels. I'll include those links in the show notes as well. Be sure to subscribe to Catalyst Conversations wherever you're listening right now, and we would love if you left a rating or a review for us. Be on the lookout for new episodes coming soon.